Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and across from me is your co-host, Ben, and normally I have him talk about what's going on in his nations first, but I'm going to flip the script today and I'm going to talk about what's going on in my nations this week. So, Ben, I had to take stock of how I was managing my load of care. Mm. I don't want to call it stress because I find what I've been doing lately has been energizing me and I don't think that it's necessarily stress. I learned one time in a psychology class that there are two types of stress. There's distress, which we normally think of stress. And then there's eustress, which is the EU, not YOU, which is the positive version of stress. You in Greek. Exactly. See, you know what's up. It's good. See what I did there? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good stress, but it's still stressful. So, for example, like if you're getting married, you might be excited about that. But, and it's a positive, but it's still stress. Mm. Whereas if you have a much more heightened workload that you don't enjoy, that might be distress. Mm. Or if something happens to a loved one, that would be distress. Well, I have more of a workload that I'm actually enjoying. So it's not distress, it's eustress. But it still is kind of, I've noticed, affecting the way that I interact with my family because I've got a lot on my mind. And so it was easy for me this past week. You know, my wife and I had a talk and she's like, you just, you seem kind of distracted. Mm-hmm. You seem like you've got a lot going on. She's said lately, you know, like you're overworked and underslept. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, but I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but that overworked and underslept, which I'm enjoying was kind of having a, a bit of an impact on how I was interacting with my family where mm-hmm. I would think, well, I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. I've got to get this done. And really I had to take stock of what is important here. Yes, my job is important and doing my job to the glory of God is important. Yes, my other responsibilities are important and doing them to the glory of God is important. But leading my family to the glory of God is also important and interacting with them in a way that shows that they're valuable, that I care for them. And then I'm here to shepherd and guide them is really important. So I really feel like that was out of balance for me. That was, that portion was just out of whack. And so in my kingdom this week, I was really trying to get that back into a proper balance Mm -hmm. and proper alignment with everything else, because some things had gotten too big in my life and I had them out of alignment where I was too much involved in them. And I was kind of reining that back in so that my family can have the dedication they need from me and the attention they need from me. That was Mm -hmm. a big thing that really was not on my radar. I thought I was doing well, Mm -hmm. but you know, I really thought through it. And when I thought through how I was interacting with my family, I was not interacting in such a way that showing them that they were the priority Mm -hmm. that they should be. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm working on this week is being much more intentional where I come home. It's not like come home, rest, come home, plan for the next day. It's come home, be present for my family. Mm -hmm. So that's what's up with me. What's up with you? Mm. Well, um, this week, I, I think I mentioned last week that, I don't know if I mentioned it now. I don't know. Well, we got a piano. Oh, you did? Yes. And I, did I mention that I was, that I woke up in the middle of the night? Did I mention this? You mentioned and that I, you want to play. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, you know, play. You can do this. Because I, I was always regretting not playing an instrument. But I'm like, come on. Well... I've practiced the piano this week for three days. Yeah. And I know a couple of songs that are very easy songs, but um, 
But you know songs. Yeah, all creatures it, that hymn. Yeah. I can I can play that, you know, just by like just the notes. Okay. And I'm I'm very proud of myself. I actually had it like a mini concert. I said, sit down and listen. Actually, no, it was they weren't in the same room, but I just made I made them listen as I so um that's new. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited at the possibilities because I found that I have a pretty good ear that I can do. I can do this, Brian. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that is, this is, this is something that I can attain. Yeah. Before I die. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I'm like really excited about it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Just keep up with it because that's what I found. I actually sat down to the piano with my son recently yeah. and I hadn't played in about a month and it's perishable. I could still Oof. play, but I couldn't play like I used to. And yeah. Playing like I used to wasn't all that awesome anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, but that's, that's great. And you should be proud of yourself because that's something that you purposed to do, that you wanted to do. Yeah. And now you're doing it. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, so celebrate that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm celebrating. Good. <laughs> celebrate good times. All right, let's get into the passage of the week this week. And it comes from second, I'm sorry, first Peter, first Peter chapter five. Verse six. When I told you about the passage, I actually said Second Peter as well. So I don't. I just have Second Peter on the brain. But it's First Peter, chapter five, verse six, and it says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time." And this is something that I think is very important because in our culture, I think we live in a self-exultant culture, where a lot of times our goal may be to lift ourselves up as quickly as we can in the sight of others. And there seems to be, in general, this is just my observation, a lack of correct humility before others and before God. So this passage is saying, if you humble yourself before God's mighty hand, so first of all, it's recognizing God does have a mighty hand. God is powerful and we are not. Humble yourself and he'll lift you up in due time. It might not be the time that you think you should be lifted up in, but it's the time in which is the proper time for you to be lifted up. And I was thinking about this this morning at Open Mat in Jiu-Jitsu. I was talking to one of the white belts there, and he was saying how he was just getting beaten down and getting beaten down. And he's like, one of the guys told me that's just part of the process. You get beaten down until you learn how to not get beaten down and then eventually you can beat the other people down. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there's that humility where it takes a solid dose of humility to accept a weekly beating or if you go more than once a week, a multi-week beating where you're like three times a week getting beaten down, beaten down, beaten down. But eventually, if you keep accepting that, you're lifted up, right? Well, similarly here, if we accept God's correction and God's shaping in our lives, which is hard to do, it is not easy because we want to think we're awesome. We want to think we're better than we are, myself included, right? But if I'm willing to humble myself and come to God and say, you know what? I'm not as good as I think I am. In fact, I'm not good. I need you, God, to work in my life. If we do that, he will lift us up in due time. But if we don't do that, he will humble us. So that's my thought on this. I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. God opposes the, those who don't humble themselves. Mm -hmm. And so you've, the, pr the proud find themselves in opposition to an unstoppable, all-powerful force. 
that's not that's not a good place to be. Um, there is real fear there, right? I mean, like, and that's a, I don't know. Sometimes fear motivates me to do the right thing because you know I don't want an awful thing to happen, um, and I want to be um, in right standing with God. And so I'm going to be careful about um, about thinking falsely about myself, thinking a lie about myself, or thinking too highly uh, or too much about myself because I, I want to be acceptable and accepted. It, it reminds me of um, the, the tax collector and the Pharisee, the story that Jesus was telling whenever the tax or the, the Pharisee says, thank you, you know, God, for not, for not making not like me this guy. <laughs> like the tax collector. who's like just flopped on the floor crying, you know, and the tax collector says, you know, have mercy on me. And that's, that's right there. I think that's the posture because we we have an, uh, we we get it we understand we're not we are we are desperate you know without without God's sustaining power um, we are desperate can't save ourselves can't actually come to a place of of fulfillment and satisfaction and I think that you know if we miss this I think we miss we miss out on joy right and uh, that's a, that's that's what I'm getting from this. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, and we want that grace. And I think that the, the path is, 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 is walked through humility. You know. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Well, why don't we get into the topic of the week this week, and Ben, I'm going to let you send this one and call it what you will. This is something we had talked through, and you had kind of floated as an idea, and I think that it's something that's needed because I don't really think it's something that's addressed all that often in the terminology I think that we're going to speak about it in. So send it. Now, just to be sure, Brian, are we talking about Augustine or are we talking yes, about Yes, we're talking about Augustine. So we want to hear the Augustine quote. Is that what we're... Yes, I want you to read okay. the Augustine quote. <laughs> so St. Augustine said this in a sermon on love. It's essentially this, love God and do whatever you please. And so I read that actually um, to a, a group of people I work with and wanted to hear their thoughts on, on the subject. And it was mixed. Love God and do whatever you please seems to indicate some sort of, you know, um, do what you want, kind of cheap grace thing where it might lead to further sin and depravity or it could go another way where you know you love god and do whatever you want and so um in loving god i'm not gonna i'm, I'm dying to the self-will so i'm just gonna do what he wants which is what i want it's increasingly as i grow in knowledge and love for him so i threw the quote out there and their response was mixed but it it really showed a little bit i think i think it actually can we're confronted with this in the church um, and churches answer this question or do, apply this quote, I think, in, in possibly two different ways, or at least church folk that I've contact or come into contact with, the love God and do whatever you want. I've seen it taken both ways, and I wonder if there's something there that could teach us about the state of of the church, and also how we understand what well true love. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And that's where I was going to go. 
at the cost of sounding like a 70s song or maybe early 80s. The real question here is what is love, right? What do we mean by love? Yeah, right. And I think that in today's modern context, when we hear people say the word love, what I think of is immediately people saying things like love is love. Yes. And they mean that in the sense of the LGBT agenda of distorting love and calling love something that God never intended love to be. When God is talking about love in a lot of these scriptural passages, and I don't I don't have the passages that we're using as the basis in the Greek in front of me, but a lot of times what's being used is the word agape, which you know is it's a perfect and complete form of love. And when people are saying love is love today, they're using eros, like an erotic mm-hmm. form of love, which I wouldn't even call in the sense of the modern culture, I wouldn't even call it love. I'd call it lust mm-hmm. more than I would call it love. Mm-hmm. But they're saying love is love or love whoever you want, right? Or love what you do, do what you love. And none of those things are used in the context of agape in a holistic God-honoring sense of love. So I think before we even address love God and do what you please or do what you will, we need to address what is meant by love. And I think that love, whenever I think of love, I'm going to crack open my Bible here so you'll hear the pages rattling. Paul sends it in the most complete form that we see it when he's talking about loving one another in any context. So when I think of love, I think of 1 Corinthians 13, Mm -hmm. which says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil. just going to land there for a second, let that simmer. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So when I think of love, that's what I think. And I just want to pass the mic back to you for a minute so we can develop this further with love God and do what you please or do what you will. Well, yeah. I mean, and I might go, I might even go further back or forward. I don't know what direction. But what about the the statement that God is love that, that, that you find in John or John's letters that God is love. And therefore that baptizes any type of love that I have, you know, mm-hmm. any type yes. of love that I, uh, even if it's, oh gosh, like even if it, if it's love, you know, in a way that is directly contrary to scripture, well, since it's love, it's gotta be good, you know, cause it's from God. So almost saying that love is God in any type of love is God. And that leads us into some pretty bad areas, you know, where we can start justifying any type of, of depraved love, you know, um, and that's so, okay. So is what do we even mean by God is love? What is that supposed to mean? And is that, you know, I've heard, I've heard things that that's, that is God. That is his truest characteristic right? That is God, his, his very nature is love. Okay. So what, you know, mm-hmm. then what? Um, 
so what what do you got there? Okay, so <laughs> we were talking about this, and I came to First John, and there is listed in First John love that is bad. Mm. So we can't just go with this. Love is love. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Do whatever you love. Love whatever you love. So First John, chapter two, verse fifteen says, "Do not love." So we already have mm. you, you can't love in this way, right? Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Mm. All right, so we have this distinction between what is a proper love and what is an improper love. And anything worldly, so when we think of worldly, I think of carnal Mm -hmm. or fleshly or sinful. He goes on to say, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Mm -hmm. So there's this distinction here between the love of God, right, and the love of the world, meaning us loving God, God loving us, and loving the things that are in the world and the things that are in the world and and the love of those things is against Mm -hmm. the love of God. Mm -hmm. So So that right there. So not all love is created equal. I know. Isn't that that crazy? (laughs) That is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Who would think? Yeah, I heard, (laughs) this is something that I heard in response to love is love. Mm. And this stuck with me and it might be trite. It might actually be a tiny bit crass, but I think it's worth sending here. So there's the saying, love is love. Mm. Well, water is water, but I don't drink from the toilet. Mm. That is an incredible point. Right? Yeah. It's never not once, original. Never once have I thought I'm going to drink that water. Yeah. I mean, it's just water in the toilet, right? Water's water is <laughs> water. It's even fresh water, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we recognize that the toilet is sullied. Yeah. And so we wouldn't drink from that, just like we recognize, you know, quote, love is love, right? Well, mm. water's water, so go ahead and drink from the toilet. Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, then you recognize yeah. there are distinctions between those things that are set apart for good use mm-hmm. and those things that are set apart for not so good use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, you just said love. All right, so let me, let me develop this a little <laughs> bit more. So I actually agree with what Augustine said in a proper sense of love God and do what you please. And here's why I would say if we're loving God in his proper sense, like if I'm living in love and in obedience to God, the things that I will or the things that I please are going to be things that are pleasing to God. So if I'm living in love toward God, and I'm living in obedience to God, the things that I'm going to want are things that God's going to want me to want. So in its truest sense there, I think that that phrase is accurate. I think where we go off the rails is people hear that in their flesh, or they hear that like, okay, you know, so I love gambling, Mm -hmm. and I love God, so I'm going to go gamble all my money away. Well, you're not living in love toward God, first of all, like being a good steward of what you have, and you're not living in love toward anyone around you that might be depending upon you for provision that God has put under your care for provision. So are you really loving God? If you love God and love gambling and it's a detriment to you, you can't be doing both at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Or similarly, there's a passage that I actually spoke about today to someone just in passing. A man cannot serve two masters. He'll either love one or hate the other. And then 
after that says you cannot serve both God and money. So you can't love both God and love money. You're going to pick one over the other. But if you're loving God, you'll have a proper attitude toward money. But if you're loving money, you will not have a proper attitude toward God. So I think that it's possible to love God and do what you please if you're living the way God would have you to live. The problem is this, that none of us are perfect and none of us perfectly lives in orientation to God in love all the time. We are constantly out of alignment with God and his will because we are constantly trying to serve ourselves. So if I do what I please, like if I'm actually living in love toward God, if I'm actually loving God and I do what I please, what I'm going to do is going to be pleasing to God. But a lot of the times I'm not actually living in love toward God because I'm loving myself more. And that's, I think, as humans, our daily struggle, which is we love ourselves more than we love anything else or anyone else. So when I'm living like that, when I do what I please, the things that I'm doing are not the things that please God. They're the things that please me only. And so I think that's where it's a dangerous saying. Mm -hmm. I think it's an accurate saying if I'm loving God. But if I'm not living in love toward God, which is a lot of my day, if we're being honest, like, do I love God? Well, I, I would hope so, but I feel like I fail a lot at loving God. You know, do I believe in God? Do I try to submit to God? Yes. Am I out of obedience to God sometimes? 100%. Mm-hmm. And if I try to do what pleases me then, I'm not pleasing God. Mm-hmm. So let me hear your counter to that. Yeah, I think it's, I think C.S. Lewis, he puts it like this, that there are, there are first and second things. And we, we tend to, in our fallen nature, we tend to look to the second things and for, that, for, for satisfaction and fulfillment. But he says, aim at the first thing. And you get the second thing thrown in. So what he means is aim at God and all these things will be added to you. You know, anything that you, um, th- that you liked or maybe even were pursuing instead of God before, um, that sort of uh, satisfaction or pleasure is actually when you seek God first. The, I believe the promise that he, that, that he makes is that it will be restored to you only as it should have been, it ought to have been, it was created to be. And so you shoot for God to please him and watch the real pleasure, I think, flow from that. Sounds like prosperity gospel, but I don't think it is. I think prosperity gospel is backwards. You know, you, they're shooting for still the second thing. Yes. They're still shooting for um, the worldly thing or, or, or satisfaction in a worldly sense. But if you, if you aim to heaven, you get God and everything else. If you aim to aim at the the second thing you don't get either because that thing will fail you you know we've we've talked about this before but i think that you you know you raise an interesting point there is that i am you know i'm a christian man i be, i you know i i don't doubt my salvation I, I don't struggle with that but i know that there are days when yep i, I will fail at this i'm going to to seek first myself. And those are my worst days. Every and everybody around me suffers. My kingdom suffers whenever I'm whenever Ben is pursuing Ben. Um, and I think that this is an easy thing for Christians to to fall into. That we, yeah, we love God. We love God, but yeah, we we, yeah, we do whatever we want and we don't really love God. 
And I think that it is, it's, a, it's an interesting, it's a truthful statement, but it is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, is crept into, I think that cre- creeps into the, every, every Christian's life. When we begin, when we start walking with Christ, but then get bogged down with the, the troubles of this world or this, you know, um, reminds me of the, the parable of the sower, um, where you have the troubles of this world weighing us down and we and we lose our first love, you know, and then and we begin to suffer for it. So I think that you know when I talk to when I talk to people about their their walk, um, yeah. Whenever I I interact with people in the world, and we and we start talking about their faith walk. It seems that this is the big thing. I love God, but I can't get over these things. I love God, and maybe they're not even going to say it, but they're struggling with something. You know, something's you know really weighing them down. Um, they can't get over. Maybe it's a worldly sin, or maybe it's you know it's a worldly desire that they just can't seem to shake. Um, or they're pursuing it, and they don't even they don't even recognize it as being a problem. But they're pursuing it as an end in, in itself, not to the glory of God. And then they wonder why they you know they they feel so distant from the Lord. Um, I go through this you know, fairly frequently. It's like, well, where is my where am I finding my my satisfaction, my rest, my truly is my aim at God, or is it at anything else, any other noun? Um, because if it's at any other noun, it's it's gonna it's gonna destroy me and everybody around me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great perspective, and I think about where Paul says, "All things are permissible to me, but not all things are beneficial." Mm-hmm. Where he he recognizes that we have some degree of liberty, but that liberty should not be used to sin, mm-hmm. and it should not be used to negatively impact others around us. And I think that's where we fall short because when we're doing that, we're focusing on ourselves. But I do want to say, like, I think a lot of times, honestly, that when we do this, we're just being lame. When we use that excuse of, well, I can do whatever I want, I think that we're dodging accountability. Mm. I think that we're out of integrity and we know it. And... I think it's important as a man in particular, but I think it's important for all of us, but I think as a man and as those who lead our households and lead other people, it's important to walk in integrity. And I think a lot of times we'll throw those things out there to justify things we know that aren't right. Things that we know, we know we're out of integrity. We know we're not walking as we should, but you know, I can, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And I think if we would man up, be honest with ourselves, take the hard look at ourselves you know, the look you don't want to take, mm-hmm. the, the same look you don't want to take when you're like, am, am I gaining too much weight, right? Like, am I treating my body the way I should? That's hard to do, mm-hmm. right? Or am I spending as much time with my family as I could? Am I being as loving as I should, right? Am I being as patient as I should? Mm-hmm. I think those are hard things to look at in our lives and take full accountability and walk in integrity. So what we do is we say, you know, I'm loving God and doing as I please. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm doing yeah. okay. Instead of saying, I need to love God better. I need to humble myself and ask God for help because I cannot in and of myself meet the standard. Yeah. I cannot do it. So I need God's help. Yeah. And I, I think that's where I land on this issue is, yeah, I can do that. I can love God and do as I please, but I can't do it without God's help. Mm-hmm. And I have to continually come back to him and be like, God, help what I want 
to be what you yes. want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that alone is the, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, that's what we appeal. That's who we appeal to. Yeah. And I, I can see, I, I can see myself in college. I can see myself like going to I'd go to the bars in college. And I was surrounded by Christians. I was surrounded by Christians who were worship leaders. I was surrounded by Christians who were on the way to seminary. And where were we Friday night? Like we were in the bars in town. So I was saying, like, hold on a second. This can't be it. This can't be it. And it was like anybody who might hold me accountable was there with me. And thinking, you know, we are, we're Christians. And it's like, is that, is that, is this pursuing our first love? Is this, is this getting it right? Or we just, we're, we're just really, I mean, we're looking, we're, we're saying we're Christians, but we're looking around and we're just like, we're looking really worldly right now. And I'm thinking like, I wonder how many young men are struggling with just that, that they are, are there hey we're all you know my buddies and we're all christian we're in bible study together but you know what we're gonna go out and get drunk and that you know that's just okay because hey we're all christians you know it's just Mm -hmm. like that's it seems just it's when i'm saying it like this it seems weird but i think that's descriptive of young of young christian men today yes where they'll just go and live these very worldly lives very sinful lives they'll go to church on sunday and they'll go to small group you know and they'll pay for it you know it's like you know um, doing their righteous thing to to pay for all the bad that they just did. <laughs> but I think they do that because that's the easier mm. path, mm-hmm. right? It's the easier path. It's hard to say, I, I don't want to do that. Mm. I don't enjoy doing that. And even if I wanted to do that, my conscience won't allow me to do that. Mm. That's the hard thing to say because it can alienate, right? So I think that I recognize that in my younger self, and sometimes I would take a stand and I'd be, the good Christian boy or the goody two shoes, or are you afraid of a little bit of fun? And sometimes I would fail and I would give in. But when I would hold that line, there was a cost. Mm. There was a cost and there was a social cost Mm -hmm. to holding that line, but there was a benefit. Mm -hmm. Like the trouble that I saved myself through God helped me out with that, right? The money I didn't waste on going out and doing that, you know, for what? So I the think decisions that, that you could have made while, I mean, yes. while there, you know, that yeah. could have led down a road that, gosh, I mean, think about, think about what the possibilities, you know, think about um, pregnancies or think mm-hmm. about or fights or about, yeah, yeah, DUIs, anything. things like that. Like, yeah. I mean, and spared. Yeah, I was spared partially. And I would love to do an episode on the concept of sacrifice, but mm-hmm. I think that is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. When we do what God would want, we sacrifice to him that which we want to do in our flesh. And that sacrifice, the benefit of that sacrifice is we walk as God would have us walk, we save ourselves a lot of hardship, and we have the pleasure of God in making the right decision. The converse is we, if we don't sacrifice that, what we are sacrificing is we're sacrificing God's desire for us. Like, think about that. Yeah. Would you, what should be sacrificed? our desire or God's desire. And so I think really when we see that, when people say, love God and do what you will or do what you please, said in the right context, kind of like Luther, Martin Luther said, Mm. sin boldly. And I understand that now. Like I understand the grace of Christ Mm. and the grace of God now where I'm like, you know what? I do not have to worry about Mm. sin if I'm living to please God because I will sin 
and it is paid for. Mm-hmm. It is paid for. And when Luther said sin bolded, that's what he meant. He's like, you've got Christ who sacrificed himself. You are covered in the blood of Christ, but don't use that as an excuse to sin, which Paul also says, right? But sin boldly, I understand it now. We're like, I do not have to worry about sin. But if I misunderstand that, mm-hmm. I use that to sin more, mm-hmm. which Paul says, don't do that. But Paul also recognizes like, we have grace. Mm-hmm. So in his proper context, I think it's great. But most of us abuse the context, just like we abuse every other liberty we get. So if you're a young person and you're like, love God and do what I will, make sure that you've got that love God part nailed mm-hmm. before you do what you will or do what you please. Because a lot of the times we don't have that nailed and what we please is not what would please God. And if we're to be the heads of our nations and we're to lead our people under us, whether it's our family our friend group, people in church, no matter where you are, God has placed people under you. It could just be the younger crowd, right? You're 18, the 15-year-olds look up to you. You're 15, the 12-year-olds look up to you. You're 40, the 30-year-olds look up to you. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at. People are looking at you and they're trying to figure out, should I live like this guy? So we should be living in a way that motivates those people to follow God. And so we need to check that box Am I loving God before I do what I please? All right. Any final thoughts from you? Yeah. And I think, you know, you said it right that you choose integrity, you know, choose to live a life of discipline. And you said, you said, you said the word sacrifice. And I think like a lot of people can look at that word and be like, oh yeah, but that stinks. (laughs) I don't want to do that. But I mean, that is the way, the path of joy. I, I believe that, that, you sacrifice, you start dying to your self-will, and you watch God unload the blessings. I, I've experienced that. Me too. And, and that's the thing. It's like, and I know people who, have, who did not <laughs> die to their self-will and lived in that way, just pursuing flesh. We all know those people, and we all can see the train wreck, right? We all, can, we all know that it leads to such destruction not to only to themselves, but everybody they care about hurts. We are going the way of Christ, and yeah, it is going to be difficult. And you're gonna, it's going to mean denying the self, and that's a hard thing to do every day. But the joys, I think, are, outweigh the, the suffering and the, you know, of, of the sacrifice. The, I mean, the joys are so much better and so much sweeter, and I think we both, you know, we both have tasted that. So, Yeah, I just want to close with, Something I said, I think in episode seven, that it's not original to me, but it's stuck with me. And it is, you'll either suffer the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, Mm. right? Either way, you're going to suffer. So would you rather suffer regretting what you've done or would you rather suffer the discipline in the short term and reap the long-term benefit? Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's all we have for you today. Thank you for listening. If you appreciate the show and enjoy it, We would appreciate it if you leave a review for us, a written review on any platform that you listen to this on. If you'd like to support the show, go to headofnations.com and click the support tab. If you have questions, comments, or remarks, send those to info at headofnations.com. And as always, remember, we are the heads of our nations. So let's go live like it. Until next time.